Welcome to Dragon Talk. Yes, Dragon yes. Talk. Yes. Yeah. Great Tito, I love you. Oh, Whoa. Thanks. You got fans. Thanks, buddy. You got fans here today. Love you too. <laughs> Looking good. This is the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and we are very excited about this episode because we get to speak to Anthony Rapp, an uh, yeah. actor. That I've been following for a very long time since I was a wee bairn. <laughs> uh, I have loved him uh, really since Dazed and Confused. That's the that's the the one that I always yep. go back to. But uh, many would know him from Rent, uh, as well as the you know the stage production, as well as the movie, and many many other roles. But now he's coming into the nerd fandom with Star Trek Discovery. Uh, and we are very excited because he's been playing Dungeons and Dragons with some of the cast members in that show and doing after action reports on Twitter. And so we're excited to talk to him about his newfound love of Dungeons and Dragons or a return to Dungeons and Dragons. Returning, yes. And it's like so uh, many, you know, like a, like a, a nice little, you know, combination of all of our worlds, at least my worlds, yeah. I guess. You're a huge Star Trek Definitely fan. Definitely. Right? Your, um, you know, I'm an Anthony Rapp fan. That's right. And maybe now, uh, yeah, I could, you know, add it to my, my television repertoire. Maybe they'll make a reality I, show around it that you would want to be into. Like, <laughs> please accept this transporter <laughs> beam. Then our worlds would collide. Me and you. That's right. Sorry, uh, Bachelor. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Bachelor. <laughs> Well, that's uh, coming up after this. We've got some amazing uh, segments as well, but we want to talk to you about what's going on in the world of Dungeons & Dragons for a few minutes, if that's okay. What's going on in the world of Dungeons & Dragons, Greg? Well, Candlekeep Mysteries is climbing up to its release date on March 16th. <laughs> uh. We will be able to tell you even more about that in weeks to come as we're setting up some previews with some of the uh, designers around the adventures in that. It's an anthology of 17 adventures on the shorter side. Might even call them modules, as they used to be called uh, back in the day. Um, And uh, they're all around a library fortress called Candlekeep in the Forgotten Realms that people have been knowing for a long, long time. And they're mysteries. And they're mysteries. Like, how cool is that? Right? You can yes. find out what's happening in each one of them uh, when it drops on March 16th. Yes. For levels 1 through 16. So it comes out on the 16th of March. There's mm-hmm. up to 16 levels, and there's 17 authors. I'm like, oh. Oh, man. The synergy was almost we? there. I know. But. Yeah. There's. Good stuff in there. Great authors, like you said, and um, that, I think that, that's going to be a fun one. So I'm I'm excited to to do some of our dragon talking with some of those fun contributors. That's right. That's coming up. Yeah. Uh, in the weeks to come, uh, as well as some more fun announcements uh, coming up that we can't tell you about. But I just want to let you know that Shelley is burning the midnight oil, uh, getting all that ready to go. Right, Shelley. Uh, I'd like yes. to be on the spot. <laughs> I, yes, 100%. <laughs> uh, you've been working very hard as well throughout the evening, <laughs> making sure everything is 
yeah. buttoned up. I mean, I ready. don't know if I was able to see my shadow, but I was able to uh, predict that there would be an amazing Dungeons and Dragons book that I can't wait to show some artwork from uh, in the near future. Um, I don't want to say anymore. I know, I like that. I, I just like to, to see you to. squirm as, as uh, you don't want to uh, so say anything. Uh, but I would like to say, I if somebody doesn't DM me a game of stuff, <laughs> I'm going to be so mad. Ooh. I need to play this thing. Very, well, that's... I mean, I need to. That's an endorsement there, if I've ever heard one. Like... It needs to happen. It needs to happen. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. Um, Seattle is, uh, as we're recording this, about to be covered in winter stuff. And I think you mentioned it, that it's like we're having our own Rhyme of the Frost Maiden moment here. We really are. Yeah, yeah so it, this is a great time if you're in Seattle to just hunker down with uh, maybe a little Frost Maiden D&D tonight. Yeah, go to Icewind Dale because it'll look like Icewind Dale outside. For at least a little while. Perfect backdrop to any cold, uh, revenge-laden adventure. West Icewind Dale, if you're Greg and Shelley. What? Like West Seattle, Ghana. West Seattle. Yeah. 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 I I, I love that we live live in West Icewind Dale. (laughs) Me too. Hey, um, I need, I owe our listeners an apology. (laughs) Oh, Okay. Um, as as you know, dear listeners, Greg and I are writing a book about Dragon Talk. And because, as part of writing this book, I have to listen to interviews of Dragon Talk. And what you may also know is that I have this like really strong fear, phobia, negative reaction to hearing myself talk. <laughs> but I'm doing yes, it. I'm doing it for the book. And I really, like, these are some good interviews, I will say. However, I, listening to me, it's probably something I should have done like six years ago when we started this podcast and I could have worked to improve upon a few things. Like, my laugh is really loud and (laughs) that is not okay. And I am very sorry because for a lot of people, it, it comes out of nowhere and it's like in your ear and it's, I need to, I need to have a podcast laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, and work on that or or move away from the microphone as, as Ryan would probably say. And um, I also realized that I say like, like a lot. So I need to like work on that as well. I like, uh, didn't notice that. Like, uh, there was a lot. But that's okay. I mean, lot. that's how people talk. You know, there's, there's certainly... Ways that you can improve to, I mean, I say uh, a lot when I'm in the middle of coming up with a question or just trying to get thoughts out. Um, and I just did it just there. And it is, I say <laughs> and, I've been, doing, I've been trying to use and as the emphasis instead of going just ah, uh, you know. And there were certainly comments and people who, who have said that in all of my life as far as public speaking goes. And part of me is just like, well, that's how... That's how people talk. So I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, obviously if it comes out too much and you're probably being a little bit hard on yourself, uh, you know, try to work on it. But I don't think it's, you know, inherently a bad thing because that's how, 
We communicate nowadays. That's really nice of you. We like to lift each other up, Shelley. We are lifting each other up. I will say that there have been some interviews where I laughed out loud. <laughs> like, <laughs> LOL. LOL. Like, oh my God, we're so cute. We're really funny and we really like each other and it's fun. That is so true. It is, have, it's fun to go back through those archives. It is fun. And I'm hoping that uh, this book will inspire more people to go back in there um, and enjoy the journey from where we, from whence we came. Right, Shelly? Mm-hmm. Yes. And like we've gotten to talk to a lot of really interesting, talented, very, like really cool people from all different walks, from all different professions, from all different coming at D&D from all different angles and it's just it's oh it's just a constant reminder that we are all united yeah. under this one geeky little hobby and, and we I don't do a that. lot of those we don't do a lot of those things where we're um I don't know this is our 100th episode this is our 200th episode this is our 300th episode but we've I hit know. all those milestones uh and and let them go by and so in some ways I think collecting our thoughts about this book has been some of those retrospectives, you know, so we're, we're, we're making up for lost yeah. time by putting it in book form and allowing us to kind of celebrate that, this long breath of, uh, of the run of, of Dragon Talk. And thank you, everybody listening who has been, you know, paying attention for all this time as well yes. as supporting and offering, you know, different thoughts and ideas about, you know, segments, about interviews, all that stuff. It, it really is, I think, a cross-section of the D&D community and uh, we hope to continue doing that with your help going forward. I agree. And you know how we always say, like, lift you up. That's what we do. But, like, it's so cool to see the community doing that to each other as well. And there's nothing that I love more than to see somebody in the community tag a guest and say, I didn't know about you before I heard about the work you're doing on Dragon Talk. And now I've bought your book or I'm watching your stream or, you know, I'm following you on Instagram or whatever. So I just it's. You know, like you just even to take the time to tell that person that you're you're doing that and you appreciate the work that, that they do. We got a good community. Just everybody. You're all everybody. part of this. So Yeah. Yes. And we've been uh, excited about uh working with Ryan Marth and Lisa Carr and Science Down on, on improving a lot of this. And it is um Great that we now are getting questions from the community and we're interviewing mm-hmm. that. You know, I think it's something we used to do way, way back in the day. And now we're doing a lot more right now. And I'm excited about not only um, the lifting up that Shelly was just talking about, but actually actively, uh, you know, participating in the conversation during the interviews themselves. Yeah. So follow us on Twitter uh, and on the uh, Wizards underscore D&D Twitter account for all those questions. We'll be doing that each week. And so we want you to be a part of these uh, interviews and these conversations going forward. We do. Sound like a plan? So thank you. All right, let's yes. go to a segment, shall we? Yes, yes please. Welcome to another random character generator. I am Greg Tito and I have Brandy Campbell. Hi, Brandy. Hey, Greg. How you doing? Very excited to roll up a random character using D&D Beyond in this segment. And then you and I get to have fun making up a character based on whatever numbers and choices spit out. Uh, always fun. <laughs> yeah, this is the best. This is so much fun. Uh, it's just a great creative exercise, so. 
Yeah, and I'm hoping folks, uh, you know, take a listen to this, get inspired, uh, and perhaps even if you like the character, you can use it uh, as an NPC in your game or as a PC if that's something that you're, you're, you know, you're looking for. Uh, and uh, we make the links available in the show notes as well as on social. So check that out if you're interested. And without further ado, as I'd like to just say that phrase because you know that's what all. <laughs> professional folks do. I'm going to create a random character right here in front of y'all and uh, we can see what we get. All right. So what do we get? What do we get? Oh, let's view that character sheet. That's a funny name already. (laughs) Oh, I didn't see it. Oh, wow. Okay. Quoziver Knackle. Quoziver Knackle. A rock gnome monk. Ooh. Very interesting. It's a monk with a negative two dexterity modifier. (laughs) And a negative. Negative two wisdom. Negative two wisdom. Uh, decent strength with a 14 con and int of 12. Uh, and, you know, middle, middle of the road charisma is, uh, is pretty good. All right. Interesting. Taking this, a look at some of the other stuff. This is definitely going to be interesting to work with. Uh, this, I, I feel like already this is probably like a very old monk, right? Has been around a while. Maybe that's why he's a little bit slower. That could work. I like that already. We don't Mm -hmm. get to dramatize, uh, you know, aging characters as much. Uh, You know, I think for better or worse, a lot of people go under the trope of the hero's journey and like to take a a young character and level them up over time. But it's really fascinating to do uh, an older character. That's a great idea. All right. Okay, we'll go with that. We've got uh, a negative due to initiative because of that dexterity modifier, with his, uh, which is always challenging, I guess I'll say. Um, trained in acrobatics, so had some, <laughs> you know, maybe in their youth uh, were able to do some tumbling uh, with some, uh, uh, you know, proficiency, but not as much right now. Mm-hmm. Knows their history with a uh, trained history, so that's a that's their highest skill roll right here is a plus three. Yep, yep. So definitely, maybe this is the kind of monk that that studies a lot, right? Like this is your your scholarly type of monk. That makes sense. Uh, maybe like a teacher or a uh, a mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, trained in insight, but that also just makes it back to a zero mm-hmm. uh, and persuasion. So with the zero. Charisma bonus, uh, they've got a bit of a, uh, an advantage there being able to get people to do what they want to do, but not, you know, for a third level character, there's nothing outstanding uh, in the skills category. Yeah, this really forces to me the idea of like a scholar or an orator, you know? Um, yeah. This is somebody who's got good persuasion, persuasion skills, can present to a class, can tell when their, their students are passing notes. <laughs> That makes sense. Uh, Quoziver Knackle is a very uh, gender neutral name, at least at least to, to to my to my view there. So, what mm-hmm. uh, what gender would you put them at? Quoziver Knackle, yeah. I mean, uh, Quoziver is a very interesting name. I I agree with you that it's pretty gender neutral. What would the nickname of this character be like? If somebody was going to give him a nickname, what would you call them? Quicksilver. <laughs> Quicksilver. <laughs> Maybe that's a joke it. on their on their negative two <laughs> dexterity. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
They are fast, though, for a gnome, especially. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a monk feature. Uh, but mm-hmm. having a 35 speed is is pretty good. You know, I, I kind of like the idea that maybe this is somebody who uh, speed isn't they're physically moving fast so much as that they're really good at finding the fastest way between two points. Mm. Especially with that higher intelligence. It's like, you know, maybe, maybe cut corners in the courtyard to get where they need to go a little faster. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I like that. It's almost like a um, uh, a beautiful mind uh, type of, you know, or Sherlock um, calculation that happens in order for them to get to point A to point B as quickly as they can. Yeah. Uh, here's something interesting. Their background is Waterdavian Noble. Interesting. Uh, so that means, you know, they've got, it's basically like just a... Uh, a focused version of the noble background. Uh, so that means they have lived in relative, um, you know, uh, opulence mm-hmm. in the city of Waterdeep, which you know we often refer to as the uh, the, the New York City of the of the Sword Coast, a metropolitan mm-hmm. uh, city. So having a rock gnome is not necessarily outside the uh, a possibility in in Waterdeep. They could fit right in. This is so. This is a rock gnome that maybe comes from a little bit of money. Comes from, uh, you know, a higher higher station. Here's the question: Do you think they would be a you know old bodyguard or a body servant to a noble house in Waterdeep, or do you think they are the the, the matriarch or patriarch themselves? Mm, that's a great question. Um, I mean, with that 14 strength, that's a pretty burly strength. That could be, uh, you know, oh, you know what? This They could actually fit in really well as like the steward of a household where they're not mm. the owner of the household, but they kind of worked their way up through maybe some bodyguarding tactics and became that trusted, you know, secondhand man that keeps track of a uh, of household. To do. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of like a major domo of of yeah. a, of a water Davian house. Um, looking at the monastic tradition, it's a way of mercy. Okay. Which I believe a uh, way of open hand. Um, trying to open up more details on that. Mm-hmm. Why don't you talk while I do that? Let's see. So the way of mercy, that's interesting. So this is this is um kind of the they're wandering physicians to the poor and to the hurt. That's interesting. Um is this somebody who decided to retire from this life? Mm. Or maybe they just kind of exercise these skills. Um within the city of Waterdeep or within even just the household that they watch over. Yeah, so they do have, you know, the hand of healing feature, which gives a mystical touch that can mend wounds. Okay. Uh, by spending key points. So it's basically like a, 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 a um, was it Mistweaver? Is that the, the subclass yeah. <laughs> in, in World of Warcraft? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got that kind of monk tradition going on here. Yeah, uh, but right, I like so that that they were they were retired from that tradition. Like that's what they used to do. They used to wander mm-hmm. um, as a 
uh, uh, you know, way of mercy. They looks like the, some of the detail of that background says that they wore cowls and cloaks and and were, in many ways, the bringers of uh, the end of someone's life as well as healers. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So part of me wants to think like that they performed some service for a water deep noble and was offered uh, a permanent residence as steward. Mm-hmm. In so doing, what is that? What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I'm digging that. I'm digging that for sure. That maybe this is a this was a serendipitous encounter that happened way back when, and it's just kind of paved the way for this this character's retirement. You know, yeah. I, I'm definitely kind of starting to lean male on this. I like I I kind of like the idea of like a, a little elderly man rock gnome who's made this his this was his life's journey, and this is where he's arrived at. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, all right, so Quozivernacle uh, is the the male majordomo of a water deep house. Um, they've got a lot of tool proficiencies here with leather yeah. workers' tools, tinkers' tools, poisoners, and herbalism kit. I think that comes from the Way of Mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, they also know how to play <laughs> three dragon ante. Yeah, that comes from the Water Davian Noble, definitely a favorite pastime. I, I have, maybe just because I've been watching uh, Star Trek Next Generation and looking forward to the poker uh, scenes, but I like that perhaps that is a place where servants and nobles come together mm-hmm. uh, and play a game you know, on a weekly basis, almost like a, like a, like a ritual uh, yeah. to, uh, to gamble together. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's the kind of thing that, like, the higher-up nobles, you know, they do under the cover of darkness so that they're not seen commiserating with the rabble. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Uh, yep. And that would go into having insight uh, trained, even though they might not be good at it. So maybe they lose money more often than not. Uh, <laughs> or he uses, loses money more often than not. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I can definitely cool. see that. <laughs> <laughs> So the Looking thing that's really interesting here for me is I, I can't get over this six wisdom monk. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, this, is, this is a monk who's not great at the monkly duties. So, <laughs> or a lot of the skills that, that being a monk gives you. Um, so what, what do you think is the way to kind of navigate around that? Is it that maybe they... Um, had an experience early in their life that resulted in a dropped wisdom? Or do you think it's more of a, no, this is somebody who's just kind of persuaded their way through. <laughs> That's, that, that is an interesting kind of conundrum, right? Because, you know, usually if we're talking about an older character, they gain wisdom over, Typically. over time. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, perhaps there is an anger within them. And that's the first thing that kind of comes to mind. Like there's a temper um, mm. in, in Quo Zibber uh, that actively works against, uh, you know, situations in which um, a connection to the divine or, or you know, that kind of street smarts. Um, yeah, so he's a little hot-headed. He kind of jumps to to action, which is which is a little, you know, on the opposite end of what you would expect from a monk, but... Yeah, uh, and maybe I don't know if this is intelligence or wisdom, but maybe they don't admit or believe that their monkly 
uh, abilities are are curtailed at all. Like they refuse okay. to believe that they are, uh, you know, um, less uh, capable than they used to be, mm-hmm. and that yeah. gets them no, into trouble. Just that that kind of stubbornness, like, oh no, I was I was great back in my day, you know, like. Uh, this is definitely a back in my day character. Oh my, oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I'm, 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 you know, yeah, thinking of that like kind of older athlete uh, that refuses to believe that they are, uh, you know, not not as capable and, as uh, their as prime. Yeah, <laughs> but but clearly uh, he's got like a good solid exercise regimen and is keeping up that strength. Like this is one of those those ripped elder gentlemen. <laughs> Yep, and he's got he's got the strength so that he can still pop you one. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not be as quick at it or do it at the right times, but if if that punch lands, it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a big if with a plus four uh, to an, uh, <laughs> to unarmed strength. Um, that's funny. Okay, what? How do you think they would have or he would have started? Um, along the path of being uh, a way of mercy, uh, especially being a rock gnome, which typically comes from from the Underdark. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think that there's, um, you know, that might be a kind of a fun twist, especially as a rock gnome that came from the Underdark. There's a lot of really poisonous stuff in mm-hmm. the Underdark. So maybe that was his kind of, uh, his initial goal was to really master that side of being in the underdark and being able to, to deal with those things and help other people with those things. That makes sense. And then, uh, was somehow exiled to the, the surface or chose to go to the surface? Uh, I mean, I could really see it either way. I could see it. Maybe, maybe there was a young water Davian noble who went adventuring in the underdark and Quosiver was the one who saved him from a nasty encounter with like a spider or some poisonous spores or something. Oh, I like that. Maybe even through the, um, the out of the abyss, uh, scenario, uh, from a few years back that the water Davian noble went into, uh, uh, the Underdark to fight the, the the demonic hordes that were coming up and mm-hmm. met Quoziver then and then asked him to return to Waterdeep and serve his house. And Yeah, I could so see fun. that, yeah. yeah. That seems like a really good hook-in for Quoziver. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, what uh, we got a little bit of an image in my mind about what uh, Quoziver looks like with, uh, you, you said, the buff older man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you think he accentuates that by by wearing open shirts very often? <laughs> I think if he doesn't wear open shirts, he definitely wears like tighter fitting ones, right? Like yeah. just, just uh, I imagine him in like a very trim vest, something that's like classy but tight. <laughs> Where you can totally tell that he's he's got uh, you know big shoulders and and guns underneath. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that makes sense. I maybe this is wrong, but I have the I have the maybe it's the low wisdom wisdom that he pulls that shirt off and that vest off very often. Yes, absolutely. No, he's just he just owns it. Whether whether or not it's you know he's not necessarily he's got the train and insight, but it's not very good. So maybe he's not reading the room, but he owns it anyway. That's his. <laughs> no, I want him to go like all Hulk Hogan and <laughs> throw down as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm, uh, maybe definitely. when being uh, you know bluffed in Three Dragon Ante. <laughs> I could see him flipping that table, which, like, for him is more of, like, an above-the-head movement. (laughs) He's he's benching the table. (laughs) 
Oh, that's awesome. Uh, what, about, what about his uh, uh, coloring and, and facial look? Uh, what, what would you think he looks like? See, so we've, we've talked about him being older. Do we think that he is like well past his prime and like shock white hair? Or do we think that he's more, uh, you know, like salt and pepper? Or where, where do we think he's at in the age cycle? That's, I, I, I think salt and pepper, probably, probably more salt and pepper, honestly. Um, okay. uh, and that, um, you know, rock gnomes, I think, have lighter coloring anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, his skin uh, has, uh, you know, kind of, Oh, maybe I don't know. They might have um, sensitivity to sun uh, or, oh, or whatnot. So maybe he wears like a wide brim hat uh, or something that uh, mm-hmm. you know would keep some shade, some shade out of the way. Yeah, yeah. I can or see maybe that. that's the cowl thing. Maybe he wears hooded uh, um, mm-hmm. cloaks or something like that. I love the idea of this like tightly trimmed vest with the cowl. <laughs> yeah. That visual is fantastic. I, like it's very, it's very uh, CW's the arrow. <laughs> right. It's like, we're going to hide, but make sure you see those abs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's cool. All right. What is uh, the final question here? What does Quo Zibber sound like? How, what kind of uh, voice would you give him if you were uh, dramatizing him in a D&D game? Oh man. I mean, he's still got to have that kind of higher pitched gnomish voice from being a, a smaller character, but he needs to also have grit to it, right? Like, uh, you know, there's a, I, I got there a little bit earlier where it's like, you know, back in my day, back in my day, we did things this way. <laughs> I like that. Oh my God, that's so good. Uh, yeah, I love that that mashup of high-pitched gnome with grizzled, uh, uh, you know, uh, cowboy kind of feel. <laughs> hard to pull off but if you can i think you'll nail uh what quozibber sounds like mm-hmm. i think so too okay i think we've got a solid solidly built character here in terms of like personality and where he's come from background yeah yeah all right so let me give it the summary here so uh quozibber knackle is a rock gnome monk with not great uh agility or decision making skills um but he followed the way of mercy when he was in the underdark uh, and helped people, uh, his own people, as well as visitors to the underdark if they were injured or encountered poison mushrooms. Uh, and in doing so, he assisted a noble from the city of Waterdeep, perhaps during the campaign against the demon hordes uh, in Out of the Abyss. And due to that service, was asked to uh, follow the Waterdeep noble, we haven't given the house out, but we'll let people, you know, figure out what house they, they might want that to be, uh, depending on whatever story they want to do. Um, to come to the surface and uh, be a trusted servant. Uh, and over time on the surface, became more involved in being a steward uh, and uh, perhaps teacher and uh, integrated itself and uh, himself in you know, the kind of water deep society there, perhaps by playing um, Three Dragon Ante with several of the uh, nobles and maybe some of the, um, I'm thinking like an upstairs, downstairs type thing with uh, some of the major servants of the house uh, participating in uh, these kind of ritualistic games. Um, he's on the older side, definitely graying, uh, keeps up with a training regiment though, so he's well muscled and he wears a 
uh, a cat wall uh, when he's outside to protect his skin from the sun. Uh, but when he does take it down, he's got mostly graying hair uh, and, a, and, a, and a lighter uh, uh, pallor to his skin um, and uh, always figures out a way to rip off his shirt uh, at some imagined <laughs> slight uh, that is done either through the gaming or uh, by making fun of his um, you know, lack of manual dexterity. Because he drops things. <laughs> I oh, just definitely. I don't know if that's definitely. <laughs> uh, and he's got a nice uh, blended voice that has uh, high, high-pitched notes, but also a grizzled uh, type of way to it. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Does that make sense, Brandy? Oh, yeah. That makes tons of sense. I love, I love this guy. I think he's great. <laughs> Quo Zivernackle. Uh, very interesting character. Fun to put together. Thanks so much for going along this journey with us. And thank you, Brandy, for all those ideas. So fun. Of course. This is always a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so we will, um, again, make this character available uh, through a link. And I'd love to hear any stories about Quozibur being used in your games or uh, what other fun random characters you come up with. So thanks, uh, everyone. And that's Random Character Generator. so glad uh, that Brandy Campbell has been able to come on and uh, create some characters with me from the random generator on D&D Beyond. Shout out to, to her for being an awesome community manager. You know, she is awesome. And she is an awesome community manager. I can't believe that she is a person that I have not met. In, well, no, actually I did meet her in person at D&D Live. But yeah. like, we haven't been in the office together since she started out. At Wizards, so um, I hope that once we do get to be in person, I hope she likes hugs. Because <laughs> I'm gonna hug. I her. hope that she likes safe hugs. Um, safe and she's consensual an hugs. D and D dungeon master and role player too. I got to uh, play with her as we were introducing some new people to the game. So loved it. Great person. What am I gonna and play? I'm hoping you're enjoying uh, our, our random characters that we're coming up with. Just makes me want to keep playing. Speaking of random characters and keeping playing, let's get Anthony Rapp on the phone and talk to him about what's going on with his Star Trek Discovery cast playing D&D. Are you going to be okay, Greg? I don't think so. Are you going to be okay? <laughs> uh, I have been listening to Rent all afternoon slash morning, so I I'm in the mood. Gotten, yeah, I know. I know. Let's, let's try. Let's, let's just try to hold it together. And if we can, we can. If we can't. Ryan will edit it out. Like he does. <laughs> lifting us up. Oh, yeah. Ryan does most of the lifting. That's true. The heavy lifting. That's why he's so buff. Yep. <laughs> Everyone, let's welcome Anthony Rapp to Dragon Talk. Yay! Yay! Woo! So exciting. And Hello. Isabella, let's not forget. Yeah, that's You're Isabella. familiar in the corner. Yes, yes. She I is. love this. She is really just staring straight at the camera. Like, yes. <laughs> She's like, this is my star turn. I'm ready for my close-up. Finally. All this time. 
Uh, but Bye. many of you may recognize uh, Anthony from Rent, uh, originating the role of Mark Cohen. That's definitely uh, not the first time I knew you, for I would loved your turn in Days Confused and, mm. uh, you know, even, uh, you know, before that, we had Adventures in Babysitting. So, uh, you know, wow. I feel like I've been following your work for, oh gosh, three decades now. That means I'm old. Yes. It means you started young. You were a child prodigy. Sure. Yeah. Adventures of Babysitting, I did here in Toronto, where I'm currently shooting fourth season of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, we actually shot it mostly in in uh, Toronto. Also, that's my cat, Spike. <laughs> You're a real wizard. I yeah, love it. I know. So. Right, and so uh, the the nerddom is high uh, for your turn as Stamets uh, mm-hmm. in Star Trek Discovery. I was super excited when you know I'm, I've been a Star Trek fan for a long time too, and so being able to combine uh, you know my my fandom of your work there with that uh, uh, whole universe uh, has been a really fun journey over the last three seasons. Thank you. Yeah, and you know I've 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 been a nerd since I was a little kid, and I always thought I would. I always imagined myself as like an audience member of these kinds of things. I never thought of myself. I never was like, I never even dared to think. Oh yeah, I'd like to be in any of those movies or TV shows. I just thought I'd be a consumer of them and a fan of them. So suddenly to get the opportunity to be a part of it was mind bending, and has yeah. been a dreamy, dreamy experience. So yeah, there's a child. Yeah, a child that was my in. familiar. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Mm-hmm. The yes. way we can talk of, of, of guests, of smaller Ro- guests. Rotating cast. You never know yes. what you're going to get here. That's right. Cats and kids. Yes. Uh, yeah. And I've got dragon minis, uh, you know, making their appearances as much as possible, too. Sure. If we see them moving in the background, then I'm going to have a <laughs> real problem. Give me a heads up. <laughs> awesome. Greg? Greg? Uh, so yeah, of course we're we're talking to you here on Dragon Talk because you have been playing Dungeons and Dragons uh, with some of your castmates uh, for Discovery over the last few months, and I've been super entertained by reading your after action reports of what happens uh, after each session, uh, and Thanks. it's how we were able to connect on all this, and yeah. uh, it's been really great. Yeah, thank you. I'm, uh, um, I actually have also been doing some recaps of my. I'm in two campaigns right now. Um, so it's like an embarrassment of riches after not playing since I was like 12 until now. Um, COVID thankfully gave us the opportunity yep. to figure out we can actually have games with people that you're not in the same room with, which has always been the problem, right? Yeah. Getting enough people in the same town or city, at least in my profession where I'm traveling so much. So it's been a, it's been a great, great thing. Um, and I'm playing very different characters and the campaigns are they're quite different in tone and it's been aspects of it wonder, wonder, more wonderful than I even thought it might be. Um, yeah, so I, I, I've been super nerding out, following along with all the incredible developments that have been happening in D&D over the last few years, especially even more recently. And then Critical Role I've fallen in love with and Fantasy High. And, you know, the, there's this whole world that I didn't even know was existing. It was like this yeah. alternate universe that has been has availed itself to me, and it's been incredible. Especially in these very difficult times, it's been like a like a like such an oasis of joy. That's so nice. Yeah, I'm glad. I um I remember when we found out about your uh, cast game, and just it seemed like the entire community just blew up with excitement, like. I cannot believe like it was like two wonderful nerdums colliding and yes. people were so excited. Were you expecting to get that kind of reaction when 
that news had broke? No, I didn't expect anything. I just thought it'd be fun to share. You know, I thought, I figured there might be a little bit of crossover, but it's been a, yeah. it's been a wonderful embrace and, and a, a nice warm embrace. And we've really appreciated that. You know, and Noah, who's our DM also had a, great little recurring role on this past season of discovery. And he's married to Mary Wiseman who plays Tilly. And um, he's, he's just been, he's been so wonderfully embraced by the fandom also for his role as Rin, the Andorian guy. Um, so it's, it's been great for him to, to get to express his nerve. He, Cause he was a Star Trek super fan before he got to do the show for Mary got cast in the show. They were already together mm. at that point. So it's just like, it's it's a great blend of personal and um and it doesn't even feel professional what we're doing on twitter with the game it's not professional exactly it's just but because it's part of our professional life that we're castmates and working together it's just a perfect little blend of um you know the personal professional worlds coming together in a great way yeah yeah has yeah. it helped? I feel like uh, the community. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just we're, gonna say, has it helped like the bonding of, of cast members, you know, <laughs> yeah. as far as like, you know, because uh, now no spoilers for, for season three, but it does seem like there's a little uh, family uh, that's that's being created. Um, and uh, a lot of those uh, uh, roles in, in Star Trek are also uh, in the cast as well. Yeah, right? yeah. That you're yeah, and we, you know, we were trying to entice Wilson. Wilson, who plays Culber, he's never played D&D before, and he was interested. He was, like, he was thinking maybe he'd be a barbarian. But, you know, he's just, like, a little overwhelmed by the rules and all that stuff, which is understandable. Because it, yeah. it is a big thing to, like, dive into um, for the first time if you've never done anything like this before. And uh, so he was kind of dragging his feet a little bit. And so in, in went my fiancé, Ken, into his possible slot because I'd been kind of like trying to entice Ken in. I've been like, try it, try it, try it. And uh, he was watching a little bit of Critical Role with me. He was reading the books. He was, Noah was sort of walking him through. And because uh, it is, I understand when people are intimidated by it, because it's a lot at first, but then it also becomes more and more manageable, obviously, the more you lean into it. And yeah. it's been it's been especially sweet for me to have Ken along. And he, his, his, his little character has been totally embraced by the other people in the, in the party. He's playing a turtle monk. Oh, such a good character. Hard not to love a turtle. And he's like this sort of like blissed out guy. It's just been, it's been great. That is, that is wonderful. Is it, what, so what is it like to play with your partner? Cause I mean, I, I don't actually like it. Oh, it's been, <laughs> I mean, it's been, it's been great for me. Cause I, I'm so glad that, you know, for a while when I was playing, started playing again in the summer, it's actually with a mutual friend of ours, somebody that Ken is quite close with. Is, is the DM in that game, Mark. And he'd been kind of like trying to see if Ken might join, but Ken, you know, understandably a little intimidated and everything. So I would talk to him about it and he'd be like, uh-huh. So <laughs> now to get to really share it with him fully is um, just a little, just that much more fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, I I kind of just, like I, I will play <laughs> D&D with Bart and I, I really like him as a dungeon master, but sometimes as a player, he gets, a, he's like a little too much of like an instigator and like just does things that I'm, I find a little too annoying. That's funny. I'm like, come on, just That's funny. don't make a mess. It's like, it's too much real world in our fantasy. Like, uh-huh. Clean that, clean that up. Like you're not See? just going to leave that on the table. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Yeah. So far it's interesting. Cause I, I feel like the character, the, each of our characters is, kind of different from ourselves. So it's a nice way to just have a different, and, and our characters don't really know each other. So we're getting oh, to know each other. So 
that's all. It just it's a fun way to interact, you know, in a different in, in a different context. Yeah, you're doing it the right way. Yeah, thanks. It's, it's me who's who's doing it wrong. Oh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that totally makes sense. I don't know. Uh, so you said you played when you were you were 12. I'm interested a little bit to, to kind of get that origin story and how that uh, experience went, uh, and what kind of characters did you latch onto then, and if that's true still now when you're playing. So my friend, my nerdy friends and I were ambitious, but very disorganized. So we created, I'd like created, I don't even know how many characters. I spent a lot of time like reading the books, reading the mod. Remember they were called modules? They were called modules. Yeah. Um, and I, I have a memory of like maybe one or two actual sessions, but we just never got it together to really do it, do it, do it. But like I, I poured over those books. I had character sheets. I would roll and do all that. But what I was, so what I always was drawn to is what would then call just pure thief. They weren't called rogues mm-hmm. um, and halfling. So a halfling thief was my character that I played the little that I played. And that's the one that always stuck with my memory. So when I got asked again to join my, our friend Mark's game that I had to be a halfling rogue. I just had to. So, um, and in the meantime, I'd also played Baldur's Gate, um, right. you know, on computer and I had played um, Dragon Age and Dragon Age Inquisition, which is not exactly D&D, but, you know, in the in the realm. Adjacent. You know? um, I was going to so, ask you if that's what your cat was named after. Is that Isabella from Dragon Age? No, no, she's Isabella because she and her brother Ferdinand and Isabella kind of, ah, okay. you know, two famous names like, sound good together. You know, <laughs> even though they're not great people, but you know, good names. Um, so, uh, yeah, so my so Bartholomew, who's the character in the one campaign, had to be a halfling rogue, which I know is, you know, kind of tropey in its in own way, but I don't care because it's kind of perfect. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, it works. And, uh, and I wanted him to be an arcane trickster. I wanted him to, I didn't even know that, I didn't even know enough yet at that point that about, um, like, the subclass, but I knew that I wanted him to be, like, able to do some spells if possible so that was so then i worked that out yeah nice. and then and, and back then too there was a there was there were limitations you could only be certain things if you were halfling you couldn't be i think what you couldn't be a fighter i think if you were halfling or you could but there were penalties there were all these different things like yeah race there was more there were more restrictions so it's been cool to see among the many evolutions that all those limitations are are coming off um, and that it gives that much more freedom for people. Yeah, you know? and there's there's even more changes to come about, like how we can, uh, you know, think about the different lineages of of, of halfling and and uh, elf, and 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 how uh, a lot of those mechanical restrictions, you know, uh, I think make sense back in the day because they were like thematic and like, oh, this yeah. that was what they were going. And then we're realizing now that just the amount of stories that you can tell when you give people the freedom. Um, it, it, it's such a better trade-off, right? Because yeah. it just expands on the creativity. Um, but that's an interesting point to see like how you went from you know pouring over those books. I was definitely in that same camp where I didn't get to play very often. I had a strong Catholic background, which also kind of restricted the amount of mm. uh, 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 devotion I could give to Dungeons & Dragons, even though privately I was like, oh my God, <laughs> these books are so cool and I want to play them. I uh, still only had a few sessions uh, as I was a kid. But then coming into it as an adult... It was really nice to just experiment and have that sense of of play uh, again, and so it seems like you're you're having that same you know journey uh, yeah. with uh, discovering this again in in 2020. 
and I love games in general, you know, like, and I love like figuring out games and systems. And I, and I knew that I would, that part would appeal to me. And I thought the role playing would be fun, but I didn't expect it to have quite so much resonance because I'm an actor. So I get to do that for a living. So I thought, oh, that's, you know, that'll be fun or whatever, but it's actually become so, so much more fun and so much more interesting than I even would have anticipated. The idea, the opportunity for collaborative storytelling. As an actor, I'm given a script, which right. is great. I get to bring other people's words to life. Like we get to create our, we create our characters together, but it's sort of handed to you. And I love that part of my job to, it's my job to bring that to life. But then there's something extra special about having it all come from within. And then what happens between us and these wonderful moments that happen just because we decide that that's the way it's going to go. You know, and then of course, what fate does with dice rolls and all that stuff too. But the the unexpected, the mysterious nature of not knowing exactly how things are going to play out and what, you know, I have an idea of what, who these characters are, but I'm also discovering them over time and they're growing and changing just as human beings would or, or elves or whoever, but as, as, as beings would change. And that's something that I didn't anticipate until I actually got in the thick of doing it that has been incredibly rewarding. Yeah. Have yeah, I, I guess that's true too. I'm like with a... A character that, like you said, you're you are you're given a script. You know the beginning, the middle, the end, and yeah. same. Well, you're also you know playing a character. But how much freedom do you have in the characters that you play to kind of add your own spin on them? Certainly not the way you can with D and D. Yes. But. Yeah, and generally, you know, text wise, I I like the challenge of you're given lines that are written a certain way, and it's my job to bring them to life as written. Mm-hmm. I like that. Every once in a while, there's like certain things like can we tweak it a little bit that makes a little more sense to me? And that's, you know, there's, there's room to have that kind of collaboration. And I like, I like operating inside those restrictions, but yes, when it's all up to me, it's a totally new world. And I've done some improv before, you know, I have experience with that. So that wasn't so foreign, the idea of improving, but I just didn't expect it to have the kind of resonance, the emotional life and richness that has come to come to be in, in our games. And there's, yeah, there's moments already. We've had like, I guess, I don't know, 12 sessions maybe of each or so. So it's not a ton, but it's enough to like really have some oh, things yeah. that stand out and things that I don't think I'll ever forget. You know, little, little, wonderful, little surprising moments that have happened. And sometimes those hit harder because they're organic and, and, and improv in the moment than they would be if it was scripted work, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, because it's your, I, I, you know, that's happened to me as dungeon master or, or as player too, just being like, I don't, I didn't know that I was going to have this emotional response or, or, or do the things that I'm choosing to do. But in this moment, it feels so right. And uh, those, that's where I think this game kind of transcends and, and get, becomes, um, you know, that collaborative storytelling that you just, you can't really get in, in, in uh, other formats. Yeah, I don't know what else would it would be. I mean, an improv comedy, kind of, but those are like little bite-sized chunks, you know, something that, you know, goes over time like this. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything comparable to it. Um, the only thing and I've been, I've been like s- music, you know, sometimes mm. the improv music, mm-hmm. uh, like, the back and forth between the audience as well as the band or, mm-hmm. or the performer can mm-hmm. sometimes feel like that, but it still feels very, very different because they're not dealing with swords and bows and arrows <laughs> and magic. <laughs> and real life. And and, you know, the Grateful Dead is up there. They're like, they're raising and, the dead uh, yes, in, their, yes, in their music, yes, but not yes. so much in their spells. And I'm starting to, you know, toy with the idea of DMing and, uh, and it certainly appeals. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little intimidating 
you know, like the, the scale and scope of what's possible feels like, wow, so much. But uh, I do, I wonder when I'm, when I'm, I know that DMs have plans and I know that they have notions about what can happen and they set things up, but of course anything can happen. So like, right. do you find when you, as a DM yourself, do you find like hard to divorce yourself from what you thought the way something was going to go, you know? Oh, yeah. Shelly, yeah, yeah, you can talk to that. That was a bad experience. So I am, I am desperately trying to get myself to try DMing again. Mm. I want to. I really, really want to. But uh, I, I had a bad, a, a bad try at it, and because of I stuck too much to a script. I, I, I never anticipated even being a player myself. And I know we're a wily bunch, and we often don't do what's planned, but. I did not anticipate what would happen if the players didn't do exactly what I thought. I, I couldn't think. I panicked, and I and then I couldn't. I couldn't ever catch myself up to that mm-hmm. of just being like, okay, fine. So they went into town instead of into the woods. Just make what was going to happen in the woods happen in town. I know that now, mm-hmm. but uh, I did not know that then. So the whole thing just went. And I, I actually was probably like angry at the players too because they didn't do what I wanted. Wait, was your husband, was Bart in? <laughs> he was player? not. He was not actually. It was, they were the nicest. It was a wonderful, nice group of people that was just like willing to let me practice on them. And they wanted to help me. And I was just so like, I'm so ashamed and I'm terrible. And mm. I'm really kind of secretly mad that you guys didn't go into the woods. And so now I don't even want to play with you. But I'm so much better now. I just haven't, I learned a lot since that. Sure. So sure. you just, yeah, definitely do not just expect the unexpected and yeah. kind of have, have um, like signpost along the way. Like this, this should happen and it can happen in this way, this way, or this way. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're Greg, you don't prepare anything and you just whip up a really awesome story on the fly and. Everybody thinks you spend months planning it, and he's like, "Oh no, I I didn't even know who these characters were. I nope, That's just funny. pull them out." <laughs> that is that is the most fun for me at this point because I'm uh, you know I I have experience writing. I've done you know scripts and plays and and, and things like that, and you can't write it that way in any way. Like, and sure. I, I probably had those experiences that you had, Shelley, early on. I mean, maybe that's why the one or two sessions that we played, uh, you know, in junior high didn't go as well is because we probably were stricking, sticking to, oh, this has got to be like, you know, the hot, yeah. this has got to be like Dragonlance or, or, or have those feels. And it very, you know, clearly, I didn't learn then until, until uh, I was an adult that it's, it's much better to write in bullet points of like, here's things that, that could happen. And if they do, great. If they don't, you know, try to weave them in, in some ways, like that's the amount of prep that I do. It's usually like, one page or just thinking about it over the course of the week of as far as what the next session is going to be. Um, because, you know, you can prep so much and have this whole dungeon planned out and, the, as you said, they'll just go to town. Yeah, they going to dungeon. Foot in it, so Literally like, and figuratively. Yeah. Yes. Um, the other thing, I've, I've gotten a lot of really good advice and one of the other things that always stuck with me, if the players aren't doing what you need them to do, invent an NPC that kind of like guides them to mm-hmm. it and that you can just you can basically tell them anything you want through the voice of this NPC. Sure. And then if all else truly fails and you just start bumbling everything, just say that's how things work in my world. <laughs> yeah, yes. And then cross yes. your arms, cross yes. your chest yes. and just pout, stick out your bottom lip. No, yeah. but really like I think that not worrying about the rules is the number one 
the, the number one rule. <laughs> like, don't don't stress about the rules. Yeah. When you say the rules, you don't mean like you mean what you think, what rules of what people think DM means. Or yeah. What, yeah, yeah. Or or even like the actual rules in the game. Like you can break all of them, and and I know this to be a fact because the people who write the rules were the ones who actually told me that. Yeah. I remember like Jeremy Crawford would say, "Oh, don't don't worry about those rules." Like, but you, you spend your whole life writing those rules. Like I want to treasure them and carry them with me and put them in my heart. But he's like, nah, whatever works for you and your players, just do that. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've really been loving, um, you know, as I've been developing these characters too, like filling in gaps of their history as I learn more about the world itself too. And it's like, oh, how, I think that this little piece of their life resonates with this and I share that with the DMs and just give them it feels like I'm giving them little things that they can maybe play with down the road I don't know if it'll pay off or not directly but it's just a way to have a that kind of collaboration too you know like here this is something else that I've thought of and here's something else that I've thought of and these are some more little details that I came up with so do with it what you will kind of thing do you do that with the other players too? Do you guys work on your backstories together? No, because in each of them, we all did. None of us knew one another before we joined okay. together. So I've I've liked that approach in this case of like getting to know each other and like little yeah. we get these little clues and like in in the disco game um, we call it disco the discovery game. Um, uh, Blue's character Bink kind of revealed his story. He's a thirteen year old tiefling who. Um, didn't know he was a tiefling. He was raised, he was adopted and raised by elves and didn't start showing tiefling traits until puberty. So he started sprouting horns and a tail and skin started turning color. And that's, and so, and then his parents kind of freaked out because they're kind of religious. And so, so he shared that with us pretty early. He's this 13 year old kid out on his own, like having left home because he's not safe there anymore. So he revealed that early. And that was very cool that we could kind of bond with him that way. But like my character's a little more circumspect about sharing his, he's had a more complicated life. He's an adult. He's had some really weird things happen. So little, little clues, but I kind of don't want to tell my fellow players. I want to, if it comes up, it'll come up, mm-hmm. but I don't want to like give a, give it away. Exactly. I want to see how it comes up between us, you know? That's the best. Yeah. yeah. And you mentioned your, um, you know, fandom of uh, of Critical Role, and I feel yeah. like that's something that Matt and uh, that entire cast do so well is build off each other's moments so that you learn about their their stories organically. And because they're such great, you know, actors and performers as well, yeah. you know, you almost don't see the the seams that you can see in a regular D and D campaign, uh, and it it feels seamless. Yeah, and I, and that's happening, and I, that's happening in both campaigns naturally and i don't you know maybe a couple of people in each campaign watch critical role but it's not like something that people are consciously doing like we want to do this now we want to be like them you know you know i think it's been it's been a source of inspiration for me in the sense that i see what's possible in terms of the depths that you can go to in in yeah creating these relationships yeah and i but think there's that's no one of the- real recipe it's hard to yeah. i mean exactly. you can't it's you it, it's magic when 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 it happens when you have the right group together like that yeah yeah and i think that's why dnd's been so popular now is because of all of this video of people playing in different ways and different styles uh and you have this wealth of inspiration for everyone i mean you know even just the experience that you had anthony where you're talking about like hey we played it once and then it didn't work out and 
I didn't touch it for for decades. I've heard that so many times, you know, mm-hmm. among so many people. And there's a very real possibility before the internet, before there was that this the sharing of ideas that we have right now, that you would have never played again, right? Yeah. And I think yeah. you know by having more people see the style and recognize what they like about a certain DM or a certain way to play the game has allowed more people to continue to, to, to find the group that works for them and the dynamic that works for them and then, you know, follow their bliss. Yes. And, you know, thank you, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> you got to find the silver linings when you can. You know, I mean, you must have knowledge of like the, it must have it must be kind of just exploding in some ways like if you guys have access to knowing do you you have a sense of knowing like how many people are engaging with it like in their own games on on the various websites and stuff like that i mean is that something that you oh yeah 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 we've seen you know a i mean it's actually to to be quite honest there's been an upward trajectory since uh, fifth edition came out in 2014 Mm. there's been Mm -hmm. A wealth of uh, people, and I think that also kind of coincided with the rise of Twitch, the rise of, mm-hmm. uh, of of Let's Play kind of things on YouTube. Um, so it was already uh, uh, getting into the into the into the mainstream kind of consciousness before then. And then, of course, yeah, you're right. As 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 quarantines dropped, um, you know, there was that adjustment period. Uh, but then I think people very quickly were like, "Well, we can't meet up in person to roll dice around a table." let's try to do these connections and then that showed how other people who may not have been playing or not even really be interested in playing uh, have certainly come to the game over the last you know year um, because it's been the only way to kind of feel like you're getting outside and going on adventures. It's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I go back to like, it took 10, I mean, it was months really essentially of me like trying to go here, 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 you know, and I can imagine that's the case for some people too. It, it, it must be intimidating for some people. I get it, you know. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. Feels, it feels big. It feels like too much to, to handle. But, you know, it's like, come in, come on, join it's us. It's so fun. Yeah, and so I think we always was, tell us what, that the rules, I mean, like Shelly said, it's like the rules can feel intimidating, but I always try to dissuade anybody from from harping on that. Like, you yeah. know, there's, there's, you can... There's always going to be someone at the table who can help you. There's always someone on the video. You know, if you have a question, someone can answer it. Uh, and don't ever feel, you know, like you can't uh, walk into a game without having an insight. Because you know, they're big books. They're you know, yeah. they're three hundred pages. There's no way anybody's going to have a, a complete knowledge of that. Uh, what's important is just having the desire to to have the imagination and 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 you know make those choices. That's that's really all that matters. But even that's hard for some people too. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. just to say like, well, there's no rules. Yeah. Just do whatever you want. Like that's yeah. a very hard thing for a lot of people to grasp. Is like, but I need some boundaries. Yeah. So I think or it was the you, right Greg. Way to do that, something. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was it. When we were playing with some new people and you were introducing um, them to D and don't. I think it, either you gave this advice or, or you actually did it. But you, with those people that you can see, like the paralysis, like choice paralysis, mm. I, I can do anything, then you're, it's better to give them some broader, some, some choices. choices. Like, do you want to do this thing or this thing? Do mm. you want to, mm. do you want to cast a spell? Or do you want to go talk to a person? And then mm. they slowly get the idea of um, what, you know, they can do anything. Because we're all, we know people are used to like video games or board games or things that like, they're a little bit on rails and you do have 
some sure. choice. But yeah, I remember just trying to explain D and D to like, my parents, and they were just like, "But where is the board? Right. Who do you you like? What? How do you walk around a board? Like there is no board." <laughs> There's nothing. <laughs> well, there can be a board. Yeah. Well, there can be. And there can be a, a representation of your character, but there could also just be nothing. Yeah, it's very possible. Yeah. Do you, when, when you're playing, well, you're, Greg, are you DMing more now or playing or both? I'm doing more DMing right now. Um, yeah, and I've, I love having the physical things, and then mm-hmm. that was missing for me uh, when we were playing uh, in quarantine. So I've taken to... Um, you know, doing doing some digital things like showing maps and things mm-hmm. through through uh, the computer, uh, but then also having a camera so I can actually show the physical uh, representation of their minis and how they're moving around and what the uh, thing is. And I find that just adds a, just another layer of immersion. Yes, yeah, that's what Noah's been doing. That version where he's been having the camera on. Um, but when you're working, when you're playing with players, do you have a feeling like when people describe their character in third person or first person? <laughs> I uh, most of my players that I'm playing with now do it in third person. They do in third person. It's interesting. Yeah, uh, and I found that actually the players who do that think about this game more as a uh, strategy tactics game. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not necessarily. And so I've been, and I'm much more of the I like story mm. and tactics. So I, I like the the the, mm-hmm. the blend, and I've been concentrating on trying to like. So what you cast that spell, but what did it look like? What right, can you right. describe it? You know, how do you feel? What are the words, the magic words that yeah. you're saying? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, even you know, twenty sessions in, I'm still kind of trying to prompt them, uh, and I'm yeah. seeing you know uh, some cracks in them wanting to do more of that. But it is, it's you know, sometimes it feels like pulling teeth. Yeah, that feels like it's, I, I understand what, how that could be like intimidating for people, but that's to me one of the big joys is getting inside the, the head of another person. But that's that's the part that I'm an actor, so it comes probably comes a little more easily to me, you know. But yeah, and I think I mean I think honestly that I mean I'm dealing with like HR people and you know tech people sure. and blah blah blah, and so like they're very much more about the uh, uh, you know how do I win this encounter <laughs> quickly? Yes. Have you had any character deaths? Yes, actually. Uh, uh, Shelley's uh, husband, Bart, uh, was, was killed in uh, like session two or three. Oh, wow. Yeah. Early. Early on. Um, Maybe he's better. Maybe he wasn't too attached to that character. That's what he said. I mean, he, he, was, you know, he was good about it. He kind of was just like, yeah. oh. You know, and it was honestly because the, the, the cleric uh, abandoned them. Essentially, to, to to go and fight, and you're like, yeah. but you're supposed what? to be healing them, and he's like, he'll be Never fine. Never split and he the was, party. He was not fine. Oh wow. Oh no. What about yeah. you? Has there been uh, deaths? Not, knock on wood. There, there was. So, it, um, Bink is squishy. Bink's a little wizard, you know. Mm-hmm. And Bink got hit by an onkeg in this encounter, and I had forgotten. I was still getting used to. It's my first time playing a druid, and that that healing word could be a bonus action. Right. So I was like, oh, wait, bonus action before Ankeg hits him because I just gone. I was like, oh, wait, if I hadn't done that and if Noah hadn't allowed it, the hit would have killed him instantly. Wow. Because it would have, it was a critical hit and it would have done, you know, double damage to his hip. Oh, no. And he would have been dead. Like, and that would have been 
terrible for us because he'd already been hit enough that it would have just taken him down. You know? Yeah. So yeah. that was, that was really brutal. That was a brutal moment. And I'm grateful that no, cause you know, I'm still figuring out that care. I'm grateful that it was a little finagling in the sense that the timing was just a little off, but I was like, wait, I can do something to stop that. You know, that's good. Um, good thinking. But whew, that would have been, cause we love bank. And I mean, we, but we would have, figured out what to do you know we would have moved on but i do think that's one of the wonderful things about the story though that can happen that sense of danger i think is also important you know yeah because and prior to that we had had an encounter where that noah had put us up against these big monsters we were like really freaked out about it we snuck up on them and then we had to wait a week before we fought them they didn't touch us they rolled terribly so we got out of that encounter like totally unscathed we crushed it so we were like feeling really good and then like the next session is when bink almost died so it was like oh you know so you know yeah that's the that's so far the closest we've come that's a good moment i like that because that's like now bink might have like uh, different feelings towards your character because so. of what your character did to save them. And mm-hmm. also like, I mean, in real life too, I'm sure. Yes. I re- remember when somebody in like saved my character by taking half of her damage. Otherwise mm-hmm. she would have died. And um, I just thought like, that is the most loveless thing anyone's ever done for me. Like, I'm like <laughs> I think like in real life, no, in my D and D no, I think in real life too. Real yep. Life, I think yes. it was. And I still love that person that yeah. played that character because like, he he made the choice as his character to do that. But yeah. Yeah. It does. It's it's hard to 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 not meld real life with your fantasy life sometimes. But that's I mean that's what makes it so fun. That's why those stories are so great from what happens at the table. And especially in this case, I mean, yeah, my relationship with Blue tends to be, I feel very protective to Blue and I feel a sort of parental feeling. And our characters have sort of naturally developed that anyway, just by given the nature of the character Blue's playing. So, it, yeah, it just it fit in really well. You know, and Ken's character got bashed around a bit last couple of sessions, but we we were like healing him, but he kept getting knocked unconscious. <laughs> but he, oh, never no. had to make a, he never had to make a death saving throw. But, but you know, sometimes you got to be the you got to be the character taking the hits. Sometimes right. like to, to be able to let other things, you know, to take the focus of the fire, you know, I, sometimes yeah. is part of the job, you know. I think it's a strength too of this edition, uh, because or you know, where D D is now, because there are those death saves. There are the there had you have those dramatic moments, but it's very much different than, you know, early D D, which was like, Oh, you rolled a die, you're dead. That's it. Oh, there's no way to, to to you know, there's no even damage. It's just like, nope, save or die. And I actually had one of my uh, uh, early sessions, I was um, uh, a girl in college was DMing for some of my housemates, one of who had never played D&D before either. And it was a similar thing where she was like, come on, play with us, play with us. And he finally agreed to play. He was a, you know, a novelist, so he's used to writing his own stories. And one of those moments happened where I think he was, like, he was like a table of food and he ate some food. And as the module was written, it was like, all right, you make a saving throw. Oh, you failed it. You're dead. Oh my and goodness. And the campaign ended at that moment. Yeah. He was so wow. angry. He was like, you told me that. And this was like, you know, three or four sessions in. He was like, you told me this game was great, blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, I, don't, I didn't get a chance. I was just eating some food and then all of a sudden I'm dead. Like, and yeah. we never played together again. And so they wow. can very rarely go off the rails. Uh, and I just don't think those situations exist in the current iteration of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. You know what you're going to be getting up into. Sure. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And because there so wasn't that, a lot. Yeah. That that person who lost their their character is one of those people that you know is never gonna maybe not gonna play D anD D again because they had a bad experience doing it. And who knows like what what they're missing. May, hopefully, hopefully they they had another opportunity, and it was much different. But that's exactly the the stories that we were just talking about. Like, yeah, some of your early experiences didn't go quite as planned, and maybe that you know kept you away from the hobby for for a while. But hopefully, you find your way back. I don't want my characters to die, but yeah, <laughs> if they do, of course, I'll live with you know. I'll I'll, I'll get over it. I'm sure of it. I'm grown quite attached. To well, I mean, that's the safe. thing. As you get mm-hmm. progressed in level, there are ways to bring people back. Uh, yes. And so that and that becomes a quest unto itself. You know, I'm thinking, yeah. you know, gosh, the Star Trek analogy there of search yes. for Spock yes. is is yes. huge. Yes. Right? Um, yes. Uh, speaking of which, you know, uh, we got this great question from a friend of mine, Cicero Holmes, uh, on Twitter, who was, you know, has been following along. He's a Star Trek uh, a nerd as much as a D&D nerd. And uh, he said that you, you know, castmates have been playing together, but what do you think the game would be like if, uh, you know, Paul, Hugh, Adira, and Gray mm. were playing together? Do you think it would be similar? I think that Paul would be a rules lawyer. <laughs> um, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like, I, I want to make sure that we're being fair with the rules, but I, I don't get like weird about the rules, but I just want to like make sure that we're observing, like that we're using them appropriately. But Paul would be like a little hardcore. Um, I think that uh, I think that Adira and Gray would be really free and go for it and have fun. And Hugh it would probably be hard to get him to concentrate on it because he'd be thinking about other things. That's what I think. <laughs> That's my initial my initial take on it. And that, but that yeah, that Adira and Gray would be the driving forces of of it happening. I could see Hugh being the uh, the reluctant cleric uh, yes. who would be like, "I have to heal you," but he's not happy about it. <laughs> yes. Yes, the Laura Bailey. <laughs> exactly. <Yes. laughs> that's oh, that's question. awesome. So you mentioned that you ha- you have two different campaigns going, and they're very different. Yeah. So what is what's the other one like? Um, it's well, the the makeup of the party is quite different. So in the disco party, we don't we we have a ranger, a druid, uh, a cleric, a bard, and a wizard. So that's sort of an unusual makeup in some ways, you could say. And of the of the several of us are sort of like woods, like wood elf heritage or nature. It's a very naturey kind of thing, which oh. is kind of interesting. And and Mary Mary Wiseman thought like maybe be, in part because of the nature of what we're all going through this past year, we're all like trying to find some way to connect to nature. And so that's how everybody we're just wants to, to be outside. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's kind of informed that, um, and and uh, whereas in the other campaign we have a paladin and a fighter, so that right there we got two sort of mm-hmm. more classic kind of tanky, heavy hitter kind of people. I'm a rogue, which is its own kind of thing. And then we have a a, a wild mage satyr. Um, oh, wow! <laughs> yeah, and then uh, sorry, who am I missing? Uh, and a cleric. Um, so, so maybe a little more traditional in some ways, I guess you could say, in terms of the makeup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we've adopted a goblin in that. We there was a <laughs> there was a goblin troop that got decimated that we don't know how, 
and one of them was left and he, he was initially fighting with us and we sort of, then our paladin who's on this quest to like make the world a better place, like tried to reason with him and he and kind of keep him along. And now he's actually become a part of our party for the moment. And our DM is playing him. Um, and Aww. he actually has become a warlock. He actually made a pact with, with, some, with some crazy God um, recently. So that just happened. So- Whoa. Yeah. Um, that could be good or it could yeah. not be. Yeah. Yeah. So far, you know, uh, and, and our paladin is kind of our leader ish, probably you could say, you know, and, and he's very much on a quest to like try to create knights of his order around the world. And so there's this kind of, I don't know, this, this do gooder feeling there and our other party, it's not, it's not that it's not do gooder, but we're just a little more like, we're not quite so like, trying to be crusaders we've been asked to help out with some things and we're trying to find our way and 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 we're very keyed into like what's happening in the natural world especially like if people are messing with that we're like we want to stop that you know kind of thing from happening so it's just the tone tonally it's mm-hmm. just a little different you know um are the styles of the games different uh you know because every dm usually has a different way of, of of doing things or or have they been similar I think there's some more in the sense that, you know, there's opportunities for where we're just sort of hanging out and chit-chatting and role-playing, you know, role-playing, like at watch or whatever. And then there's other times we have some really well-thought-about um, encounters, battles, you know, tactic stuff. I think that both both DMs do a really good job of giving space to, to both aspects. Um, and, yeah, and, and I think in both cases, too, both DMs, of Noah and Mark, there's some players who are more experienced, some players who are less experienced, and they've been great at working with both, you know, not, and like, and, and trying to give opportunities for everyone to experience the, the, those chances to make decisions, make choices, to, you know, start to be empowered to, to do things and not just sort of like be led around by a leash kind of thing. So it's nice. Yeah. Like yeah. Dungeon Masters. Yeah, they're great. They're great for that. And they, you know, they really dive into the, you know, playing the, the NPCs and all that stuff, you know, which is fun. We've had some puzzles in both. Oh, know. that's good. Yeah. You know. Yeah, Ambitious. it's been good. And I believe they both are doing home like there are aspects where they started out with like a, a beginnings of a campaign book that had some stuff to build off of, but they're both fully into their own homebrew world now and mark's wife is an artist and she created a map for us oh nice you know and there's like a couple cities that are familiar like i think Waterdeep is on the map but then there's lots of other places that are just his that he made up and you know so that's that's the part that of but when i think about dming i recognize there's all these different all these different established worlds and i'm interested in that but i'm also interested in like and what what is there to create? And there's so many chances to like build who knows what. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, we, and we've uh, got a lot of data that suggests that people love to play the adventures like whole cloth. Uh, You know, there's a certain group of, of D and D player that likes doing, you know, like, you know, rhyme of the frost maiden and we're just doing this and it's in Icewind Dale and it's using all the stuff that's (laughs) in the book. Um, But there's, you know, I think a, a very vibrant part of the community that just takes pieces just like just like uh mark the dm that was you know oh Waterdeep is in my world but there's also six other locations that i just made up whole cloth and those are pulled from you know i don't know star trek from 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 <laughs> lord of the rings or you know they could be from anywhere and uh that's the part you know as a as a as a writer or a creator that is super fun is to be able to 
have that freedom to be like, all right, this is fan fiction-y, but it really doesn't matter because it's just for an audience of five or six. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I did a I did a little one-shot thing too with, um, there's this podcast called Botched. I don't know, you know, they've, they've done like live shows at Dragon Con and stuff like that. Um, nice. So I did a little one-shot with them and it was set in like sort of an Old West setting. So that was just fun oh, cool. to live in that world for a minute to, you know, with still with magic and D&D roles, but... But uh, but in a kind of you know <laughs> wild west situation. So yeah, I mean, there's always that fantasy genre that we know and love. But there's so many different flavors of that. And then there's you know there's horror, there's sci-fi, there's all these things that uh, uh, you know that I love when they get mixed and layered in, and you're not sure. Oh wait, this is from something else. Uh, you know, it, it uh, messes with the tropes, uh, as you're saying. So uh, that leads me to another question from from Twitter, uh, from Dave Clark. Uh, uh, I think you might have even actually responded to this on Twitter a little bit as you were thinking about it, so you might have had some yeah. thoughts. But Discovery, uh, definitely Star Trek Discovery tries to take some of those familiar Star Trek tropes and turn them on their heads. Yeah. Um, and as you guys are playing through the D&D and the fantasy and, and, and you know some people being more experienced with that and some people not, uh, do you find that different players lean into tropes or do you actively try to subvert them? Uh, how, how do you um, see those both groups of those uh, uh, players interacting with things that people might know from Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or something like that? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like, like I said, I'm, I'm playing a halfling rogue, so that feels pretty tropey in a certain sense, but I don't think that Bartholomew is particularly like anyone, any anyone that I've encountered before, like in Lord of the Rings, for instance. Um, and I worked on his story in a way that you know, there's there's there are some tragic aspects of it, but you know, he's not like a gloomy person. He's he's made the choice to like try to 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 live a kind of as positively as possible, given the tragic things that have happened. Is it's also a way to survive it and compensate for it. So that feels to me like a little bit of of subverting tropes or working against tropes per se because i know that a lot of people like the tragic backstory you know the gloomy you know the gloomy character kind of thing <laughs> um at least in his case you know but he's also not like jokey jokey like i'm gonna joke with everybody all the time not that kind of trope either. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been interesting to to feel him out and his relationship with the paladin has been an interesting thing too because like there was one time when we found this um this uh, hubble of a bugbear, and I found a chest, but the paladin didn't see me find it, mm. and I was able to open it, and inside was three hundred gold, and I kept it for myself. And the paladin, <laughs> like the players, the player knew that happened, but the paladin didn't see it happen. I, I hid it from him, so I've still hid, hidden that from him. But we also have like a good relationship. But you know. Like, I don't think a rogue is going to tell the paladin that he took to kept the money. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, so I don't know if that's tropey or not, but it feels true to the to this sort of situation. Um, but at the same time, right now, there's a, there's a, I also found at one point a, a like a treasure map that I didn't tell him about. But mm. we've had some interactions recently that there's part of me that's thinking maybe I do want to tell him about that and maybe want to involve him in it after all. Kind of oh, thing. So, interesting. Yeah. So it's like we're, we've we've shared some stuff in the meantime that's kind of deepened our relationship, you know. And I'm I'm not quite so yeah. like oh the paladin's such a do-gooder he is, but we all you know I understand him more now. So 
that's I guess that's sort of tropey. My druid, for for instance, I didn't even know that there's this trope of druids who are like like hippies. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, I guess, but that's not how I've Tree ever thought about it. I've thought about when I when I was thinking about him, I think like somebody who's like deeply serious about nature, like like feels this kind of like profound protective feeling about it that will like will like burn someone to the ground if mm. with it kind of thing. So that's more my druid. He's kind of like intense in a way that I'm not sure that all, I'm not sure if people play druids that way. I don't know. I've since found out a lot of people are like, Hey, I'm a druid. <laughs> and that's not my druid. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's the so, two branch. You can go stoner druid or, 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 or serious druid. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So that's been fun. Yeah. Um, and it's, and the, and the two characters are quite different from each other. And it's been really cool to like live in two different ways of looking at things too. Just yeah. Go from, different campaigns you know well what i found too is sometimes i i, I think i think you know tropes are not a bad word i think mm-hmm. i think that they are something that is actually really important especially for newer players um because i think that's the the power fantasy that that kind of fuels the desire to learn more about this game and interact with all the all the mm. systems as well as the role playing right and so I mean, you know, Shelley was saying how I, I played with uh, new players who were adults for the first time. Uh, uh, gosh, that was before pandemic, wasn't it, Shelley? That was a long time ago. Yeah, we were in person. Um, <laughs> but the way I try to describe it, I'm like, you know, what, what is a character from a movie or a, mm. a book that you really loved and that you've always wanted to, to be, right? And, you know, mm. and, and that's, that's the thing that you kind of need to latch on to at first. And then you can deviate it. You know, there, and it sounds like sure. that's what you're doing uh, a little bit with your our, our Bartholomew character is that you're like, all right, well, this is the, you know, kind of sneaky burglary rogue uh, who's uh, doesn't necessarily have a heart of gold at all. Um, but you're like, okay, well, now that I have a deeper relationship mm-hmm. with the cop, you know, for for mm-hmm. lack of a better word, for mm-hmm. for a paladin, paladin, you know, that you're like, all right, well, now I can I can deviate from from mm-hmm. from that, and I think that's you know a part of what this game actually is you know, uh, the strength of it. Absolutely. And, and we, we had an interest. like my character also had a really interesting interaction with our cleric. Mm. My character is not religious. And partly because of some of the things that have happened, it's like, no. But then um, so we, we, we had a thing where we like saved some people who'd been captured. And that sort of re- reminded him of, you know, things that had happened in his life. And just asking the cleric, okay, how do you deal? How do you reconcile this? What is your What does your God have to say about something like what we just saw today, where these people were taken hostage and their lives were threatened, and they didn't deserve it? And what do you What does your God have to say about this? And the cleric opened up about some of his own experiences and how he came to his faith and how he came to his relationship with his God, and it was like this really wonderfully wow. rich moment. And you know, I don't know that that means that Bartholomew is going to become you know, have a relationship with the God, but it was like, things are happening that are kind of like changing, changing his perspective a little bit. And, and it's been really cool to sort of lean into those moments and not know what, what, about what it might turn into. That is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I like how the idea of all of you discovering these things about each other's characters, much the way you would with any yeah. new group of friends. Like it's, of course. it feels yeah, yeah. very, you know, just natural and it's, I've, you know, in D and D, we we tend to be a, a lot better about um, mm. be like just being around and understanding people who are different from our own, mm-hmm. you know, beliefs and upbringings. I feel like 
you know, just just hearing you talk, you know, about your character who's not religious because you know there are reasons from from that character's past. That's a real world, you know, feeling mm-hmm. that somebody might have towards religion, and then being around somebody who is deeply religious, there mm-hmm. could off you know often be just either like I don't want to, I'm not going to deal with this person, I don't want to get to know this person, but like in D and D, you kind of are forced to have those relationships, and look, they work out like. You know, you actually do come to understand these people in a different way. And now your relationship with that person is totally changing. And I'm I'm also grateful that, you know, Greg, the player was willing to just lean into that moment too. And just, you know, not, he couldn't have, he couldn't have predicted I was going to have that conversation with him, you know, and he just leaned into it and opened up and it was, it was for something really special. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, like when you guys are, uh, on set, do you do you talk about this game a lot? Yes. Are other cast members like, get me in there, I want to play, yes. or are they like, yes, oh, the D and D nerds are talking again? A little bit of both, but like Sinequa, <laughs> for instance, there's a, she would love to play. She just has no time. Like she is, you know, carrying the show. She has two small children oh, when yeah. she's not on set. It's just as much as she wanted to, uh, you know. And so maybe we can figure out a way if she could like join us for like a session or two or something just so she yeah. can get her toe in it. Cause she'd be great at it too. She'd totally lean into it and just like, I know she would love it. She loves games. She, we, but what we had been doing as a group before this was mafia, you know, oh, really? which is a nice thing you can do with a bunch of people. D and D tends to have to be a little smaller. Um, so she was like a natural person. We said, would you like to join? And it's just, it's just not possible. She has no bandwidth for it, you know, understandably, but, um, so, but yeah, I, I, we talk about, but like Mary and I were on set the other night and we were talking about like, we just leveled up to level five. So like, yeah, what spell, what spell are you going to use? What spell are you going to You know, like that kind of stuff. So level five is a big one. It's a big, yeah, you it's a big jump. It's a big right? jump. You get their level spells, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Fireball. she's a ranger, so she gets, you know, she gets some, some stuff, but yeah, it's big. Um, yeah, I get call lightning. That's, I get guaranteed call lightning because of my uh, circle. So guaranteed yeah. you know yeah exactly i don't have to i don't have to select it it's always there you know nice now noah's now noah's uh shaking his uh, boots trying to come up with challenges for you now <laughs> yes <laughs> I, know. I know he's he's been throwing some good challenges at us we, we've gotten to be pretty good like big little bank has turned into like a damage like those wizards Whew. they can hurt people <laughs> <laughs> from a distance they can. I mean, they can get hurt too, you know. But right. They, they are squishy. Bing. But I remember like, it was a great thing that Blue did in the first moment. Like, Blue is this kid just learning these spells. We have our first encounter and Blue like hits, you know, kills a, kills a goblin with, you know, like a fire arrow or something. And, and, and then had a moment like that was weird, like is a little bit traumatized by it, you know, which is understandable. Because yeah. like you're a kid, you're doing this, you have this power. What, but then also like, but has already grown into like his power in a yeah. cool way. But I think is also an interesting. Like, how is he going to do with that over time? You know, like you're giving me some good, good ideas for my next character. Now I want to be a teenager or just like a young, <laughs> like a young character trying to come to terms with with all of this power. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I've just been rewatching the uh, X Men movies uh, with my kids, uh, and mm-hmm. you know, inspired by WandaVision, they're like, "Oh, who are, who are all these things?" I'm like, "Oh, well, mm. let's go look at these." And I, you know, it's been a long time since I looked at those movies, and it is very much about that that coming of age. You know, I have all this power, 
Um, and what do I do with it? Uh, and yeah. it's such, I mean, I guess you could call that a trope too, as far as the hero's <laughs> journey goes. Um, but yep, it's super the misfit trope. Fun. I like it. Mm-hmm. Especially as us being all old, (laughs) reliving those days again. (laughs) Oh, the glory days! But it's resonant and true. You know, tropes tropes work when they're when they're grounded in a sense of truth to an authenticity. Yeah, agree. Like you said, they're reason that they're tropes because they 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 recur because they ring true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just if they become a crutch or they become empty, then yeah, not interested. For sure. Now you've been you know having this great time to be able to uh, play Dungeons and Dragons uh, through video conferencing and, and having some of that performance there and then, you know, being able to have uh, the set be safe for filming and everything as you're doing uh, things for Star Trek. So you're getting some of that performance out there. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you're aware there's a lot of theater professionals who are not able to, uh, you know, exercise their craft right now. Uh, and one of them uh, who we had on the show before, uh, Omega Jones, uh, was asking. He's a he's a stage actor, um, and uh, you know he's asking. Has D and D been a way for you to perform again, uh, like it has? You know, for many of us who haven't been able to been on stage, and again, has it helped with that? You know, temporary loss of, of of performance in a way. Yeah, especially the sense of the, the of rehearsal and play that part of performance, especially in theater, you get so much more time for that. In, in television and film. You get this much time to rehearse. You get to thrown on set and you got to like just learn it and do it. So yeah, in terms of that sense of play and freedom to just to just explore and experiment, absolutely. And uh, and I, one of my friends from New York is an actor that we've been in touch about. Like he's responded to my little updates. It's like he's started playing recently and I know he's oh. he shared something similar, you know, that it's been a great source for him. Oh, that's of, cool. Of an outlet, you know. Um I wish I had known that he was interested because, like, now I have people in New York. Now I'm like looking forward to that when we come out the other side. I know there will be <laughs> in New York, like in three. person. You know, yes. oh yeah, at some point, gotta play even on if it's yeah. a little short term. You know, well, who knows? Like on all this character development that that you do, who knows where these characters might find themselves in exactly. in your real life? You could be pulling parts of their backstory for characters you're playing on stage. Absolutely. Do you have any desire um, to play a bard, uh, someone that oh, yeah, that sings uh, at the yeah. table? <laughs> I played I played a bard in that one shot, a, a oh, nice. sort of French Canadian inspired tabaxi. So Ooh, we routine. love the tabaxi. Yeah. So and he played a fiddle. That was because it was the wet wild west. So it was a, his fiddle was his instrument. And nice. and he's he did in fact send a fire. He I used the feet. We played like higher level, little higher level for this one shot, so we could have more stuff to do. Nice and yeah, fiddled out a fireball and then sang little bardic. <laughs> fiddled out a fireball. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're you're the only one who could do uh, five hundred twenty five thousand damage in one round. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I am very proud of you, Greg, for. 30, an, an hour and four minutes before you made that reference. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say I was holding on to it, but it just came out at the right, right moment. No, that was, uh, it, it dropped at a good moment. I think moment. any DM would give you that damage. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so you have, you talked about maybe DMing yourself and being, you know, kind of curious about homebrew worlds and creating, uh, you know, stories on your own, which seems very in your wheelhouse considering that you did write a short story recently, or mm-hmm. that's going to be published? Um, yeah, yeah. Come, come this this summer. Yeah, I believe it's coming out this summer. Um, I got I got asked by this um, woman that had actually been on like at a Star Trek junket 
so she does some journalism stuff. Um, her name is uh-huh. Swapna Krishna. She writes about nerd stuff. She writes about space stuff. Um, she's a big Star Trek fan. And uh, she was she was putting together this anthology of stories inspired by the Arthurian legends. Mm. And they were reaching out to um, authors who were of a variety of ethnicities and sexual orientations and gender identities to try to find ways to use these stories as a launch launching pad for maybe twisting them up somehow um, and exploring some of those themes um, through the art. It's like using the Arthurian legends as a lens in which we can explore these other themes also. And it's called Swordstone Table. And I was given free reign and to do any, you know, based on any character or anything, any aspect of it. So I started thinking about what I might want to write about. And Merlin has been a character that I've always really loved. So he's in the story. It's not about him, but he's a, he's a character in the story. Um, and I used it as a, as a launching pad and it was really, I was very honored to be asked. And I, um, wrote it in memory of a friend of mine who died in the mid nineties. So it was a way to honor him also. Um, so yeah, the, the, I'm, there's some amazing writers that I'm in the company of. Alexander Chi is an award-winning writer who's a part of it. I mean, there's so many names. Nick, uh, Nicole, Nicola Griffith. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of people who've been named, um, and I'm, I'm I'm very. I was excited to be asked, and it was an honor so to be a part of it. That sounds so, great. Yeah, I, I mean, short stories are a, a, a great format that don't get enough play. I don't think. Uh, and it's really nice to be able to exercise those fiction muscles, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of, in terms of DM themes, you know, I, some way to, to I, I'm interested in the themes that I think are really explorable in D&D around class and race, stuff that's certainly been percolating in our, in our world. Mm-hmm. I think that DM is a perfect platform to, to, to explore some of that stuff. So a world in which some of those inequities are at play or that the tensions of those are, are at play is, is of particular interest to me. And then how do the characters that people come up with interact with that world and that that's part of what they're having to deal with. Um, I think if I'm going to do anything that's that would, I would lean heavily into that. That's a good, that's a good way to think. I mean, I think over the last year I've been uh, really latching on to the chaotic good idea that like Mm -hmm. you want to do good, but it is all right to, you know, mess up the systems in order to get uh, a longer-term good. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Good advice. Sweet. Well, I can't wait to read that story. Um, uh, I, I'm. Uh, whenever someone mentions Merlin, I always think of the Sword in the Stone Disney movie. So I'm hoping there's 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 some threads there. <laughs> well, I, I read um, I read the uh, T H White book Once a Future King. I guess it was the year before, and um, Merlin is so vivid in that book mm. but there's a part of Merlin story in that book anyway where he he kind of tr- lives in and out of the normal linear path of time so like there's this period where he encounters Arthur and he's essentially talking about things that happened like in World War II Ooh. but he sort of talks about it as if it happened to him yesterday or tomorrow like his sense of time is kind of weird and unusual it's non-linear and so I, I, I'm working with that idea that he's in a time and place that you wouldn't necessarily always expect him to be. Oh, interesting. Um, and it's another callback to my daughter's watching X-Men with me and that uh, I think in one scene, Magneto is reading The Once and Future King in oh, prison. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's, uh, yeah, a lot of ties there. Very exciting. Yeah. Well, I love that, you know, uh, all of your... Uh, 
Star Trek fans are now getting into Dungeons and Dragons, and all of our Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons fans are now learning about what's going on in Star Trek Discovery. Uh, the last season has been fantastic, and I'm looking forward to uh, season four, uh, as uh, a lot of folks are. And thank you for for coming on and just chatting with us. This has been fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much, and thanks Wonderful. for keeping keep, thanks for keeping the. Dungeon Dragons dream alive. <laughs> that is us. That is single handedly Greg and I. We fight every yeah, day know. to keep that dream alive. It's true. See? <laughs> See? Bearing the torch. And I'm honored to be part of the community. And, we are honored uh, to and have yeah, you as part of the community. We're excited that you're uh, rolling dice with uh, some awesome people. And uh, hopefully, yep. you know, once all this happens, we'll be able to roll a dice together in person when quarantine is over. Yes, please. Be great. As many times as possible. Yes, please. <laughs> May all your rolls be twenties. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes those. Ken rolled three. He had to roll a disadvantage in a fight recently. Three, three rolls in a row. He rolled natural ones in his disadvantage roll. Oh, that is hard to do. That is that very is hard statistically hard to do. Yes. Yes. Uh, we had a. I had, Chris Perkins, who is uh, one of our, our story writers, uh, invented double disadvantage uh, on the fly during a streamed game once because oh, yeah. they were in hell so there was a lot of terrible things happening and the player rolled 20 20 20 and so wow. double disadvantage didn't even uh, prevent it from happening <laughs> wow. and we were That's like amazing. the statistics on that it's like yeah. you know, point zero 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 one possibility and so yeah it's amazing you gotta love it Right. I love those well, dice sometimes. It feels yeah. like we rolled that in order to get you to uh, talk with us. So thank you so much again. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. Live longer. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it was a dream oh. come true to be able to talk to Anthony Rapp. Uh, it's, you know, not often that I get to fanboy out. Um, and I hope I didn't do it too much. But there was a lot of... Exchange of uh, just ideas and thoughts and on the creativity of, of Dungeons and Dragons and writing and, and all that fun stuff. So hope you enjoyed it. Genuine enthusiasm. And I will say, Greg, you you did great. You held Aww. it together. Thank Remember you. when we talked to Emily Axford and yes. I was going to lose my mind? Yeah. You did better than I did. Oh, well, that's nice. You did. Well, that's because I didn't do very well at all. You did fantastic. What are you, are you, have you listened to that one yet? No, I'm too scared to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have to because I think she's on your list of uh, things to write about. It's gonna be fun. Oh gosh, yeah. But this, yes, this was fun. I mean, I know. gosh, it's so weird because that Anthony being, you know, a Broadway actor, award-winning, and um, so many like known in so many movies, and we're just sitting here talking to him about D and D. I did have a couple like little geek out moments, like. Just hanging out on Friday afternoon talking to Anthony Rapp about D&D because that's what we do. That's what we do. Yep. A person who would probably never talk to me in real life yeah. <laughs> if it weren't for D&D. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, you know, that's honestly true about you know, a lot of our guests. <laughs> totally, yes. Um, but that's what I love about it. See, that we're able to bring in, them in. And uh, you know, I think you've said it uh, before where like, the one unifying thing is their love of Dungeons & Dragons. And it's the true for all of our listeners, I'm, I, I, I'm convinced of. So thank you uh, yes. for, uh, Anthony, for being on, on the, the podcast and, and joining that, that community of D&D lovers out there. Not fighters, yes. although there are some fighters. 
D&D lovers and fighters. D&D is for lovers. Move over, Virginia. Oh my gosh, that's a t-shirt idea. Let's get, let's get Amy Tanji on the phone. And then cross D&D is for lovers, not fighters. fighters. I feel like that's, that's genius. And it'll have the big hearts that the Virginia thing has. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons is a game that you Great. play. And you can follow yep. us on the Twitters, uh, on Instagram, like the, the things on Facebook, if that's your jam. But I think the best jam that goes with the peanut butter of Dungeons and Dragons is to get the Dragon Plus application onto your phone and or check out that content on dragonmag.com there is an issue coming in february right yep so sure is and it's gonna be chock full chock full i've already gotten to read a couple of previews they're really really good articles about some really fun stuff uh that we hinted at in the intro uh so you know now's the time get it downloaded on your phone and when that issue drops you'll be ready to go you got to get up on the latest news and then you can impress all your friends and be like, hey, did you hear blah, 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 blah? And they're going to say, where did you get that information? And you're going to be like, I subscribe to Dragon Plus. You, you don't? Duh. Duh. Get it. <laughs> it just, that just dated ourselves by saying that. <laughs> you're like, where's the beef? Which also has dated me uh, this week. No, duh. Yeah, where you realize the people who were born... You know, after 1990, might not know what uh, what where's the beef is from. I'm sorry, people born after 1990. Yeah, no, what? And a lot of those people who were born after 1990. If you were born in 19, no, gosh, I'm older than I thought. Okay, never mind. (laughs) You just aged. uh, Whoa! I just like like a whole entire decade just caught up with me. Like, (laughs) do you know that if Greg? If you were born in the year 2000, you, you can, can drink. legally drink this year. <laughs> I know. In the year 2000. In the year <laughs> 2000. <laughs> I moved away from the microphone. See, I'm already learning. <laughs> oh, I never did my other uh, new impression for you, but I oh, will do it yeah. next time. People who are still listening are going to get this amazing uh, new impression. Let's, let's do it. No, I'm going to do it next week. Okay. <laughs> do it on the intro. Okay, I love it. Yeah. Well, you can follow me at Greg Tito uh, and Greg underscore Tito. I've been posting lots of pictures of some amazing Wiz Kids minis uh, that mm-hmm. you can get. Uh, it's the new Boneyard release will be in stores in March, and it is pretty fantabulous looking. Uh, so jump in uh, or go to dndmini.com if you want to peruse their entire oeuvre of uh, 5th edition miniatures. They're fantastic and are getting better and better all the time. So uh, that's something I want to throw out there. And you can see those pictures on my social meds. What about you, Shelly? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 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 what, not everyone calls it social meds? <laughs> no, they, they will now. <laughs> Heard it here first. Um, yeah. You're uh, at Shelly Moo, I think, on Twitter. I'm right? at Shelly Moo on Twitter and, and Instagram. Um, you know, I post some pictures and stuff. You know, and sometimes, sometimes I write about the Bachelor. You, you, I heard that you said you write about the Bachelor. No. Sometimes I do. <laughs> You're very, very, very quiet. What do you whisper? You got a stage whisper like this. I have to recap the Bachelor. Well, speaking uh, of Bachelors, yes, Daryl Two Shoes. 
does not currently have a mate, uh, but he has been reunited He's got a litter mate. with his litter mate and sister, the amazing Drunky Two Shoes, and their ongoing adventures. Uh, they are currently on a small boat um, on the sea, on the Sword Coast, um, and going towards the metropolis of Waterdeep. And we have gotten some information that uh, Daryl has been working with an organization uh, that is suspecting of a group of doppelgangers might be infiltrating important posts in Waterdeep and uh, beyond uh, in the Sword Coast. And I believe that my friend, uh, Stanley... What's his name? Uh, his name oh, was... Shoot. Salamar. Salamar. Okay. Uh, okay. He's a very Fabio-looking, uh, muscled yes. man uh, with flowing blonde hair. Uh, and he said he did not want to go into the harbor of Waterloo, right. but that he would drop you off uh, near it. Okay, I'm so sure. how near are we talking, Sal? Uh, I know a cove uh, about uh, 15 miles to the south that we can could that. be a safe uh, uh, point for you to get off. We'll do it, I guess, but I'm going to miss you. You will. Well, you don't have to leave. I have to go with my brother. You can stay. I, I have spent the last four years trying to find him. It is rare for me to have a connection with uh, with anyone, but uh, I do feel there is a connection between us. I do. I feel that as well. Maybe you'll come back for us once Daryl is finished with his business? Well, how will I find you? Well, I don't know. But maybe we can just pick a, a meeting spot and a time. Okay. Or maybe you'll. I could convince you to stay with us? And do what exactly? Uh, I don't know, Daryl's got some, like, business he's got to conduct here. I mean, while he's doing that, you and I can just, like, hang out. I am, uh, and you had run a, like, then a persuasion role to try to get him to, to, um, drop you yeah, off. And I, he, he, uh, agreed for that. But if you're asking him to stay, that's going to be another persuasion role if you want to push that forward. About an 11. And 11. Not feeling very persuasive today. Uh, he says, that does sound uh, like it you know, could be a fun change of pace, but and he kind of takes a deep breath and looks out on the water as the wind is blowing his hair, and he says, yes. I'm, I'm married to the sea. You belong to the sea. I can see that now. Thank you for your assistance. Okay, when are we going to be at that cove? Uh, he says uh, we, we should get there in the, uh, uh, hopefully by the time night falls. Okay, all right. Um, Daryl, um, we're going to get dropped off um, at, at a cove about 15 miles south of Waterdeep. Drunky doesn't have a good memory, so just, you know. Well, you just, you just rattled that off. That's exactly what I said. So um, is that going to work for you? Of course. Yes, we shall be able to uh, meet my contact um, in time. 
Excellent. Make my report. I hope this is worth it. I really hope this is worth it. I, it is worth it for, for us to be able to be together again. Yes, it is. I'm glad you're safe, sister. I'm glad you're safe. I've been looking for you. Um, and he Aww. hasn't been very uh, uh, affectionate, but no, he, hasn't. he does come in and, and give you a hug. That's all Drunky has wanted for the last four years, is to just feel her brother's warm embrace. It's a bit furry. Um, but yet, she's still weary, so can she do another insight check just to make sure Daryl's okay? <laughs> yes, go ahead. Make the I mean, insight he was like, check. He was super weird. As oh, you hold on to each other. An eight. An eight. She's, um, she's just lost in the moment. You get a, uh, you know, <laughs> as you do with any hug, you kind of like breathe in uh, if it lasts uh, a little bit longer. And the smell... And, uh, you know, it really just brings you back to the memories of, you know, tussling with each other and a, and a, when you were little and, um, you, know, uh, li- you know, cleaning each other's fur together. Aw, that's really sweet. Yeah. So okay. we will pick it up next time with you landing uh, back on dry land and... Uh, Perhaps going to the city or wherever. Can't wait. Drunkie's contact is going to have you. Sounds good. All right. Thank you. All right. I rolled a six. That means um, it starts raining. Uh oh. Cats don't like rain. Cats don't like rain. You're definitely getting running wet. down to the, the aft cabin for the next few down hours. Down below. Okay, so you guys go down below. Excellent. Yep. All right. Well, we'll pick it up there. Yay. Yay! Thank you. Man, I so want to uh, double-cross you, but <laughs> I also really want to have some nice moments as well. What? I don't know. You're so suspicious that I'm, I want to be like, oh, yes, he is bad. But well, I'm he like, was being weird. He was looking at drunky weird. And he's talking about the doppelgangers, and now I think he might be one. I don't know. I'm just a little freaked out. You're cha- you've changed. You know, you're no longer the, the trusting... Uh, affable, drunk tabaxi that you used to be. She's, no, it's, it's, life has hardened her up. Yeah, and well, maybe that the same thing has changed Daryl. The same time period has changed Daryl. That's really sad. Okay. Happens to all of us. The last year's been hard. Life will really just take a big old bite out of you. But then there's D&D and Dragon Talk that brings us all back together again, Shelly. Lifting up. Left you up where you belong. <laughs> Five hundred twenty-five thousand damage uh. on you. <laughs> I think that if you ever get your D and D musical off the ground, I think Anthony's gonna be a definite yes. <laughs> <laughs>